You are listening to the Techie Leadership Show with Bogdan and Andrei. Hello and welcome to the Techie Leadership Show. Today with me I have Bill Histand. He is one of the few boomers worldwide who has sold the business while also successfully being the key part of four internal succession plans. Fewer than 30% of small business sales succeed. There is some secret sauce to it and he'll help you explore that under his guidance. His specialty is to help you make your boomer boss fascinated with the idea of an internal succession. Hi Bill, how are you? Hi, Andre. Very well, thank you. Well, I am fascinated with the idea like of business succession. And if you can add more about yourself and about this concept, it would be like really amazing. Yes. I was fortunate enough at age 29 to finally ask my dad what it is he did for a living. Okay. You know how when we're young, at age we're 29. just... When we're young, we think the world revolves around us, and yes. so I, I was involved in my life and in everything I was doing, and it just never occurred to me. I saw him in his first and second careers as as a business owner, and then I knew he sold his second company, a, a truck company, that had 100 employees and ran trucks around the northwestern part of the U.S. Pretty big company. A pretty good sized company and then he was retired and then I knew he was doing some kind of work and and I was now engaged in business myself and finally I said hey dad what is it you do for a living good and question. He spent, we were headed up to go skiing for the day and he nice. spent the whole day telling me about the all of the things he was doing in his new career which involved uh, providing in the US we have private health insurance mostly and yes. employers provide it to their employees as one of the benefits of employment yes so whether it's it's health insurance and disability insurance and life insurance and other things called employee benefits and a retirement plan where the employees can save money in it or the employer puts money into it all for them to take out when they get to retirement. He spent the day telling me about that, and I was working at a bank, and it just sounded way more interesting than what I was doing. Ah. So I, we closed the day on the way home by me saying, Dad, you ever thought of taking one of us kids into your business? And Which he said? nearly caused him to drive off the road. Because... <laughs> As the young, as the number three and the youngest, I was I hope the least likely to ever ask that question. Okay. And so here I am asking him that question, and he said, "Well, let me tell you this: if if your mom says it's okay, then it's okay with me." And so mm. we talked to my mom, and she said, "Well, look." If you blow up the family and make everybody mad at each other, I'm not going to be happy. So you're going to have to figure out how to be business partners when you're in business and dad and son when you're at home. And if you can do that and maintain the peace, then I'm for it too. That's great advice. Really good advice. It was great advice. 
Yeah, because and, and some of the questions off we're going to get business. to later are uh, leadership. And if you want to talk about a leadership concept, that was that's probably one of the best we ever got in life. <laughs> yeah, because it happens a lot, especially in small businesses where you have family working together. Sometimes business destroys the family relationships. And that's yes. always sad to see happen. It is. So she sad. was really wise. Your mother well, was really, her, really wise. Here was her real key piece of advice on that subject. She said, at the office, you're going to be Bob and Bill. And at home, you're going to be dad and son. Oh, and you amazing. have to do that. I require you to do that. And if you do that, I think you'll be successful at keeping the, the roles separate. And so and if there are family businesses listening to this, I'm going to translate that advice to you. Just try to separate your roles by calling each other your names at the office and your family roles at home. That's really good advice. And I think it also makes it um, easier for, for the younger person or the like like you coming into, into the business seeing all the other employees seeing him calling you by your name if you have a certain respect and it shows that it's not a it's not a preferential relationship going on so it, it smooths out many a lot of the edges of that situation yeah really and does. with that and with that, let's move to the biggest leadership success story you would want to share with us. Okay, well, it, it really involves that subject we were just talking about. I, when, when I went to work for my dad, I was 29 and seven years later, on his 65th birthday, no less, he retired. Okay. And the way he retired was, for about the three years before that. So we worked together just as me working for him, trying to learn what it is the business was about and how to do it. And then we spent three years with him mentoring me to be the owner cool. so that I could buy the company from him and add to his retirement. So that retirement for him was I sent him a monthly check for 15 years. And that really oh. helped his retirement stability. It wasn't his whole income. He had been successful in his life and, and had other sources of income. But it was, a, it was significant money for him and to me. And so that was my first succession plan. And our yeah. business being, go ahead, I'm sorry. And it's really interesting that you actually you bought the company from uh, from your father. You didn't like inherit it or get it passed on without uh, paying anything for it. Right. And I think that's in a in a family business setting, it it smooths out a lot of the problems that come up. Yeah. The sure. the, the the elder needs income post work. They need yes. retirement income. And it's going to come from a variety of sources depending on where you are in the world. But I, as it's my understanding most countries have some sort of national retirement system for people 
over 65 or over 67 yeah. in, in their elder years. You're going to get income from that. Ideally, you will have put aside money from work success throughout your working years. And then if when you sell your business, whether it's like I did in, in my fourth succession, you sell it to somebody else, you're going to get income. Or in an internal succession with a family member, you're going to get income from that family. So you're talking about four succession, though. So you had like the first one, and then what did you do afterwards? When when I when I bought the company from my dad, I didn't feel confident enough in myself, and he could see that too. So we had a partner involved with us, and I was more specialized in one half of the business and she was more specialized in the other half of the business and three years later she packed up her briefcase and said I'm out of here and I'm taking my side of the business with me no to which my lawyer said uh, no you got to remember that you signed an agreement and the yeah. way you're going to leave is to keep the agreement and the agreement required her to buy her part of the business from the business. And it required her to not just pack it all up and take it. She had to go to each client in a short period of time and say, I'm leaving. Do you coming with me or are you staying with the business? Okay. And some voted with her and some voted with me. And then she had to buy herself out of the business. For a period of five years, which gave the, you know, a it was fair, and and b it was allowed the business to have it have the income that she was taking out of it, or or a significant amount. And since she was overhead, actually there was extra income, which allowed me a transition period to really rebuild what she had taken and keep the thing going. We had, I had my half of the business and it continued to grow significantly as well. So that was, that was succession plan number two. So when, okay. when you think about succession and you think about business partners, one of the key elements is what we in the U.S. call a buy-sell agreement. Other parts of the world might call it something else. But really what that is is in a private business, there isn't a marketplace for the ownership. Yes. It's between the partners. And if there's no buy-sell agreement, then there's no orderly separation when a business divorce happens. And they happen all the time. Yes. Usually yes. they're ugly and there's it's unfair to somebody or to everybody. And a buy-sell agreement makes sure that it's orderly and it's fair because we agreed on it in advance. So how you can't really, you may feel bad about it, but you can't say this is unfair because you went into it signing and saying, yeah, this is a good way to handle it if we ever exactly. separate. So that was number two. Number three was a lot later. And, and in the meantime, which was a period of about uh, 20 years, yes. I hired a number of people who I thought would be good succession partners for me and, and what happened and all of them were men and none of them were were 
a good fit at all. They were None a terrible. Of None of them. Oh. I had I had four different men that I hired to become part of the business with the idea expressed, <clears throat> excuse me, expressed to them that they could eventually become the succession partner when it was time for me to retire. And within, in one case, a few months, and in one case, a year, another case, uh, a little more than a year, one I forget, he was forgettable, completely forgettable. <laughs> um, they all they all left, and and about uh, so I retired in 2017, fully January okay. 2017. So in uh, 2007, I hired a young woman who had just, she graduated from college. She had a, she had an economics degree. She had gotten a job in a financial services company and it didn't work because in that company you had to go find people to buy life insurance okay. from you. And some young blonde haired girl who's 23 years old just has a hard time establishing credibility with people who have I mean, in life insurance business, you need people who have big wallets, not little yeah. wallets, big wallets to help you buy, you know, buy big premium products. So it wasn't working for her. And I hired her and, and it was like the recruiter said, hey, I have somebody who's, who's actually got her licenses. And I said, wow, that's great. So I hired her. She, was, she began as an assistant and her competence and qualifications just started to show within months awesome. of her coming. And gradually I just started mentoring her and and helping her grow her influence, giving her more responsibility, giving her more capability to do to really be in control of her of a client. And yes. over those ten years, probably about six years in, we really started having conversations about my retirement and her buying the business. Really awesome. So, so that was the mentoring process. And, and then the two of us had a, had a business opportunity to, to take over the retirement plan of a pretty large international shoe company. Not any of them based in Oregon, by the way, so don't get any okay. idea. We're going to be working <laughs> with that company with the famous swoosh on their shoe. But, but still a pretty significant company. Okay. And they hired us for their, for their U.S. operations 401k plan, which is the, a retirement plan. And we were meeting with the HR director after it was all settled and we were implementing that. And we said, by the way, we can handle your health insurance benefits too. And she said to us, quite bluntly, no. We said, well, okay. yeah, we, we do that work. And she said, no, you'll never do that for us. And I said, well, but we do that work. She said, look, Roger and Candy have that. They're always going to have that. And so just don't go there. But by the way, Roger isn't getting any younger. In fact, I think he's older than you. Maybe you should talk to him. Yes. Well, I had heard of this guy, our our town, Portland, 
Oregon was pretty small. I'd heard of this guy all my career. And uh, so I called him up and we had lunch and I said, you know, so-and-so says, you know, you maybe want to we should since she said maybe we should talk let's just talk and he said well yeah i've, I've told candy for years that I, i'm gonna i'm gonna she's gonna own the business someday and i said well do you have any plans for someday he says well no not really i said well you know here's here's the here's the uh, because i've been researching it here are the numbers for somebody selling a financial services practice and his ears perked up and his eyes perked up and he said oh and I said, you know, Candy and, and Mary, my person, could really be a good fit. How about if I have them go have coffee or a drink and just see if they like each other? Because if they don't like each other, it isn't going to yes. work, right? He says, yeah, exactly. right. Well, so I went back to the office and I said, Mary, you got to call Candy. Go have coffee or a drink with her. And that session with them lasted hours. Hours. They hit it off So succession number three was merging his practice into your practice. Ours. And in that process, when working through the numbers and seeing my own uh, my own attitude changing towards uh, the business, I realized that the two of them should buy the health insurance part of my business and the health insurance part of his business, which was all of his business and yes. a significant part of mine, put it together in a business that the two of them could run. And so really that's that third succession was, was facilitating a merger of those two practices and then trying to, keep ours going. Now, Mary and I had done a lot of the legal work to get a business succession agreement put together. It was, it yes. was done. In fact, we had, we had signed it months before this deal went on. And it was intended for me, I'm 64 now. And so I was 60. I was going to work till 70. And gradually okay. she would gain ownership in this other part of the business. As soon as the ink was dry on that merger, I said, I have no interest in working to 70. None. Yeah, and I took her to and said, retired. you know what? I, I, I don't even see me being here anymore. She said, really? I said, yeah, really. I said, let's, let's get this thing done. And so that was succession number four. It took quite a long time from let's get this thing done to, to having it done. But yes. each of those was really uh, a significant different process. But I learned a lot about the, the whole legal and financial aspects of that as well as the personal emotional aspects. Yeah, it is. It is. You have lots of uh, personal emotions, especially when you're working so close with somebody. Um, especially when you're, you have to mentor somebody, the relationship is really, really close with that person. And I like yes. that your story uh, points out the fact that you can be young and you can have a lot of success if you're um, 
if you find the right opportunity and you're willing to work hard and dedicate yourself and let yourself be mentored because that's the undertone that I got like from from all this story. And with that in mind, how important is for a leader to to mentor uh, mentor people? That is the most important human thing you can do. Now there are there are a lot of different business settings in the world. So my focus has always been on the small business, which is in terms of not in terms of employment, but in terms of numbers of business organizations. In the US the numbers are pretty shocking. There there are 5.6 million businesses in the U.S. that have any employees. 5.6 million. There's 15, 20 million single solo business kind of people who just have, they have their own business. They're a real estate agent. Maybe they work under a real estate company, but really they're a solo business. They're solo insurance agent. They're a solo lawyer. Those folks have a, have a different issue. Of the 5.6 million business entities in the U.S., only 300,000 are really cute. And those 300,000 employ half of the U.S. workforce. Half? Half of the U.S. workforce. So when That's you hear, like right now, we're in the middle, of, we're recording this in the middle of the COVID-19 epidemic worldwide. Nice. The U.S. Is at, the, is at the tail end. There is great controversy about how much to open, when to open businesses, but small businesses are hurting and they need to open. Because if you got no income, your rent doesn't go away, your electric bill doesn't go away, the car lease doesn't go away, the cell phone bill, you know, all of that, stuff, none of that goes away. And so... I got a little off track there, but but the point is that 5.3 million businesses are small. 5 million have an average of 10 employees. Yes. So most businesses, and I think this trend, it's harder to get those statistics out of the rest of the world just because I, first of all, I only read English. And second, it's hard enough to dig through the U.S. government databases to figure well, all that out. Governments love to hide. But I data. think it's probably true in Romania. It's probably true in England, in Australia, New Zealand, and Brazil. That most businesses that have employees are small. They got five people. They got ten people. They got twenty people. That's about how big the business is really capable of being. So. When you talk about mentoring, which it was the real question, it's just it yes. a long preamble. Sorry, I went off on that tangent, but it's kind of no problem. creating context. It is really a lot of, of what mentoring is, I think. It's helping people who, who don't have the same uh, perspective that you do broaden their perspective because mentoring is really teaching somebody how to lead other people and the biggest part of leading other people is to understand that they are humans first they have their own life experience they have their own life issues 
and that stuff yes. automatically gets in the way of everything anybody sets out to do. I, I got two kids, one's in seventh grade and one's in ninth grade. They just finished their school year. The last two months of their school year, they were here and we were supposed to be trying to get them to do their online schoolwork instead of yeah, go off hard. to school. It's disrupted everything. I mean, I've seen the interviews of people in the U.S. who still have to work an eight-hour day in their home office, and they have two or three kids that they're supposed to be trying to corral and get educated and keep out of their phone calls. You know, if I had kids running through here behind us right now, you know, <laughs> I a four and an eight-year-old or something, this, this interview would not be going so smooth. Yeah, uh, for so sure, for it, sure. Yeah, and while this is really a unique circumstance, those same people, they have to get to daycare. Their kid gets sick and they have to not come to work because they have to stay home because they can't take their kid to daycare. And maybe they don't have a mom or a dad who can just step in and be the daycare. Some are lucky and they do, but the point of, of mentoring is to help the people you are working with learn that, that the human equation comes first. And what a business has to try to figure out is how to let their people be humans and have their life and still be productive. Yeah, and, human first. And that's, it's always a one-off because no, no two of us are made the same. We don't have the same circumstance. We don't have the same way of reacting to situations. So true. And so uh, that it's, it's hard for a small business owner to get into that mindset. Yeah, and I, and I have like the same mindset of like you're working with humans and you have to, to realize they have good days, bad days, uh, emotions affect them. Uh, it's You're not working with machines. So take that, always have it on your mind when working with them. And now shifting a little gears, um, what would be a leadership failure that uh, you had unfortunate experience of witnessing or even living yourself? Uh, a leadership failure, you failure. said? Yes, failure. Okay. Yeah, I would say that in my er, earlier, when I was talking about the, the four guys who yes. came to work for me, who didn't make it as a succession partner. A, a big part of that was I hadn't really learned how to mentor yet. Oh. And for whatever reason, just my, my makeup, now all, all people have sort of a, a masculine side and a feminine side. Yes. And one or the other is stronger. And that doesn't have to do with sexual orientation or anything that. It's just how you relate to people and and in business guys tend to be you know guys yeah, hard who's the masculine side that's right the masculine side and i'm just not that way i'm much i'm just a much more soft touch and so i didn't really know how to mentor the the men into a position that they could be a succession partner. But, but because of that, 
my succession partners were have always and my successes in uh, business management have always been between me and women. Oh, and so it that takes I mean, I, I don't know if you could see that in yourself before you have a chance to be sort of older and looking backwards as opposed to forward looking. Yeah. But it, maybe if I if I'm planting a seed with some of the younger listeners, male or female, tune into that side of yourself. What where where is your strength? Because you're a human too, and you can mentor what you're uh, what you're strong at. I don't think you can mentor it what you're weak at. Yeah. Then you have to realize that you have a better chemistry, a better way of relating with certain people, and you have like a stronger uh, mentor-mentee relationship. So it's uh, it's important to to know exactly and choose the right person to mentor and guide. Uh, and it's something that you have to do because you know yourself and you have to know, okay, with this person, I have a higher chance of succeeding and helping them actually. Because you, we're all human and we have affinities and we might like one person more than another person. And it's nothing that's related to that person. It's more about ourselves, how we are, and our, and, uh, our own certain preferences and the demeanors that we might have. Yeah, I totally agree. And thinking now back on your whole career, uh, what would be your leadership philosophy? It's you can hear by the pause that yeah. it's a, probably the hardest question, and I would say that the there's there's a couple of aspects to it. One is to to successfully lead. What I had to do was grow myself. I had to do, and it was separate from business. It wasn't a business technical thing, although my business was quite technical. And yes. I had to learn legal and financial and just, you know, it was complex. But the, the part that I had to do off business time was personal, a lot of personal growth. And I read, I read a lot of books. I read uh, and, and I went to, and listened to a lot of audiobooks and I went to a lot of seminars that had, were not business, though I went to a lot of business seminars too. I went to a lot of personal growth where, where the facilitator would challenge you to look at yourself um, directly. And question yourself so that you can, because we all tend to stumble through life a bit and yes. not really think of, it's pretty hard when you've got, a, you know, a, I mentioned a minute ago, you've got a four-year-old, an eight-year-old, and a 12-year-old, and a spouse, and a job to get to, and bills to pay. It's pretty hard to be introspective in that. But yeah, as a business is. leader and a business owner, you have to separate from that. And you have to figure out a way to, to get to know yourself in a really significant way. And that's one thing I find like in common with uh, all leaders that 
are in my opinion like true leaders they they study and they always are on a continuous growth path it's not like i read a couple of books and now i know everything it's incremental it's constant work uh, basically it, it never stops in a sort of way uh, because leadership itself it doesn't have an end to it it's not say okay you're a leader you have it now it's the best you can ever be. You can always improve a little at it. Right. I mean, there are for, in, in societies, there are forms of leadership that people tend to recognize more. In, in the military, you get a rank and a different set of stripes or badges on you, different hats. That's a recognized form of leadership that is more external in, in, business the owner of the business is the leader whether they're any good at it or not yes and the people tend to stop there and that's what you're talking about is the the real strong leaders don't look at that external sign and say oh, okay i'm there i'm the general <laughs> exactly. of the army now I'm, I'm, I'm good i'm all good y'all should just shut up and listen to me which there are people who many people who do at that but yeah, there are. Unfortunately, there are, and uh, a lot of people have like not a great experience working for them. And um, since we're talking a little about uh, newly minted mint, uh, leaders, uh, what would be the top three leadership tips you have for um, aspiring leaders? Yeah, well, we just we just touched on the first one, and yeah. that is you you have to. You have to force yourself to know yourself. You, it is, it is if you aspire to be a great business leader, you just have to do, you, there, that is the one thing to be unreasonable about. You have to be reasonable with the people you are leading because they don't have the same outcome potential that you do. If as a business owner, eventually, if you grow it successfully and you find either an internal successor or somebody external to buy it, you can go off and stop working there and still have it pay you. The people who are yeah. working for you, they're you not working there. They're not getting paid. And so they're, they're, what their gain is, is different than yours. Now their gain might be they're building up skill sets to pitch to another employer or to pitch to you so that you might give them more responsibility. But that's your, so the first, the first thing is that. The, the second thing is also what we touched on that that you have to look at the people you're working with as people. Now there are times when their peopleness gets totally in the way of your business. And, and yes, in that case, you have to do probably the third hardest thing there is to do as a business, small business owner. And that's to sell, tell somebody who's been working for you for quite a while, they have to leave. That oh, is probably so one of the worst experiences you have in life. There's just, there's no way around it. You talk about stage fright. 
how there are people people would rather die than talk in a, on, in a room full of a hundred people in front of them. I, I think they would also rather rather die than have to fire somebody. But it, it is a thing you have to while you're letting people be themselves, you can't let them them being themselves take over and put your business in a position it can't sustain. It's a balancing act. It's always, and I know it's really hard. There's not only, even if you work in a, in a company and you're a manager and you have a team, sometimes somebody in that team does not, doesn't enjoy the work or something happens. There's not, they're just not, it's not something that it's meant for them to do. And in a way you also help them take the next step and move on and do something else that maybe they would enjoy more. And it's a hard conversation to have. And I, I even know like a person that he got like a personal assistant and it wasn't working out and he hired another personal assistant and the first job of the personal assistant was to fire the old personal assistant, which is a creative solution, but it's not that human. You hire that person, you should also be the one who lets that person go. It's, you shouldn't outsource the work to somebody else. I, I laugh because that actually my dad's first, uh, he had an assistant when I came to work for him. Okay. And she walked into him on day three and said, I am not working for that guy. He was talking about me. Anyway. Okay. But it, it took about six months. But then finally he said, um, you need to fire her. Okay. And so that was, that was my first experience with firing someone it was horrible in every single way and yet it was the it was one of those mentoring is not always a, um, a happy fun thing yeah. that was not happy and that was not fun but it was a good lesson he taught me in terms of this these are some of the uncomfortable things you have to do as a business yeah, the business has true. to come first even though the business shouldn't run your life it still has to come first because it contributes so much to your life yeah. and to the lives of everybody else who work there yeah we cannot let a few rotten apples to spoil the whole cart and create like miserable conditions for everybody involved yeah. and bill since you've read so many books i'm really curious what would be the book that had the most profound impact on you yeah uh, i actually have have uh, three books I'm going to share with you. Okay, good. And they, they connect with each other. So I'm going to see if this one, yeah, there we go. All right. Unlimited Tony Power Anthony by Robbins. Anthony. Yeah. Unlimited Power by Anthony Robbins. It was his first book. It, it, I, my first encounter with him was his audio tape program, which was really his entree into the the world of big influence and that guy is a big influencer he's internationally famous and and but what what this book really helped me do and and the reason i recommend it to um, young leaders is because it introduces you to how to get a handle on the elements of your personality so that yeah. you can use them very well 
He also talks about goal setting. I, I happen to disagree somewhat with his goal setting. Okay, interesting. I agree with the process, and it was hugely successful. I filled up a whole journal book of goals. But the process of accomplishing the goals, and I think in his later years, he would, he would probably be more in my camp because one of the people he introduced me to was the second book, which you can't really see the title, but it is the uh, maybe on the spine. Now you can't see that either. Um, Deepak Chopra. Okay. The guy's name is Deepak Chopra, and the and the book is the Seven Spiritual Laws of Success. Okay. That that book is all about actually how goals actually come to be accomplished. It is like the it. science of. And what, that's why I say Tony would agree with that because he, he had a program, he had an audio program, one of the early, the, before podcasts were podcasts, he invented a podcast which was a, 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 a cassette tape, then it turned into a DVD. Oh, and it would ship it. it was, and he would ship, you'd subscribe and once a month your, your uh, power talk would come, that's what he called it, your power talk. And he would, he would have a, something he a new concept he was working on that he would talk about and then he would have somebody he interviewed and he did 30 or 40 of these maybe more Deepak Chopra was one Wayne Dyer was another and um, so that that book is how goals come to be and then this very ancient book by a guy named Napoleon Hill think yeah, and grow rich all right, this is ancient and it says more than 7 million readers have made this book one of the greatest bestsellers of all time. Now what Napoleon Hill did was he interviewed the person who made it possible for us to light our rooms, Thomas Edison. <laughs> he, he interviewed the person who figured out mass manufacturing so that everybody could own a car, Henry Ford. Yes. He figured he, he was a mentee of Andrew Carnegie, the, the wealthiest person in the world who, if you've never read his autobiography, it's just an, it's an amazing story how he came from nothing. Literally, he, he showed up in Philadelphia and in, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania with uh, what amounted to two pennies in his pocket. And he turned oh. himself into the biggest steel magnet in the world. So what, what Think and Grow Rich teaches you is the science of achievement. So when you put those three together, you get a handle on your personality. You learn that goals, you can either, like a guy, a guys do this, force goals to happen. And you can do yeah. that. You can force goals to happen. But Deepak Chopra teaches you how to put it in position so that the goals just do happen. Ah, even better. Like in, in the famous movie, The Secret. Have you heard of that? Yes, I know it. Movie yeah, called I've The Secret. It. Well, it's all about uh, about manifesting goals, and and Deepak just simplifies it into a really simple seven step formula. And then with Napoleon Hill, one of the key concepts that he introduced to the world is mastermind. He coined that yeah. phrase, mastermind, and and people all over the world 
do masterminding today, and it's because what he what he discovered from all those famous rich guys of years ago, the huge industrialists, was that that's how they did it. They created a team that was, they understood that their one brain was not big enough. That they needed to have a whole fleet of brains, and when you combine them, it creates one new mind that Napoleon called a mastermind. And and I do have a fourth book, which is probably the most important. It's my journal. This ah, one, this journal. one, I was lucky enough to find says "Open to New Ideas." Nice. And at sixty-three, I bought a journal called "Open to New Ideas." So, there's my other tidbit for young leaders: don't ever think you're going to retire and stop learning, because people who retire and stop learning, I I watched it in my career because my business was retirement planning. People yes. who who retire and stop learning die really quick. Yeah, as long true. as you continue to learn and as long as you continue to be engaged in curiosity, you will live much longer. If you look at Keep people busy. who are really old and vital, the number one thing they've got is they keep learning and they keep being curious. Yeah, and they keep busy all the time. And I like how your the books you chose, they built on one another, um, which is really, really great. I really have to check out, especially the one from Deepak Chopra. And Bill, if people want to find out more about you, where should they go? Okay. They can go to, I'm going to show you my book here now. Yes. I wrote I wrote this book, which is possibly how you discovered me. I don't know. Yes. You found me on LinkedIn? On LinkedIn, yes. Yeah, okay. And I've done, because of the book, I've done a lot of podcasts. But the book is called The Ownership Ladder, How a Smart Employee Can Buy Out Their Boss. So you can find this on Amazon.com internationally. Just Or you can go to ownershipladder.com. Or you can go to billhestand.com. My name is Bill Heestand, H-E-E-S-T-A-N-D. You can also connect with me on LinkedIn. I would love for you to do that. So if you just go to LinkedIn and search Bill Heestand, Send me a connection request, ideally with a little, uh, I would love it if you put a little intro like I heard you on Andre's Leadership po- uh, Podcast. Oh, yeah. What is the name of your podcast? I, I, I the don't have show. it. Say the it again. Take Leadership Show. Yes. So mention that, please, so, so we yeah. can connect the dots and I'll let... Andre know that uh, you know we connected through LinkedIn because of his that show. That would be amazing. Uh, and Bill, I'm going to put all your links and especially a link to your book uh, in the show notes and all the other books and towards your website and even to your LinkedIn profile so people can reach out to you and uh, buy Bill's book. Especially, I think it's like a shortcut to achieving success. Uh, you will make it easier for you. I truly believe that actually um, buying a company or succeeding, helping a, a, a business owner retire and you stepping into his shoes, especially if he is willing to mentor you, it's, it's a faster route to, to success. Yes. And yeah. Thank you, Bill, for being on the show. It's been a pleasure having you. Thank you very much. 
Thank you, Andre. Really enjoyed it. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. That was today's episode. Tune in daily. Rate, like, subscribe and share, please. Oh, you can find further info and materials in the show notes on techyleadership.com, including links to the guest book recommendations.